You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Great. I want to um, share some thoughts with us today on Super Bowl Sunday. And while we do that, turn over in your Bible to Isaiah chapter 6. Turn over your Bible to Isaiah chapter 6. I want to take my thoughts out of this passage today. You know, this is, um, most of us know, our time to celebrate this month to celebrate black history. African-American history. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And we know, um, or have these words from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. from his famous speech. He says, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. And I don't mind. Like any man, I'd like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight. That we, as a people, will get to the promised land. And I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. was transformed. He was transformed. He was transformed, and he transformed us. But he was transformed because he had a vision. He's transformed because he went to the mountain top. He's transformed because he saw something that most other people couldn't see. You know, he was insulted and he was beaten. His family was um, assaulted and he was um, experienced, of course, systemic racism and prejudice. And none of those folks ever apologized to him. Nobody ever said sorry. And, ha- and so you wonder, how, does you, how, do you, what, how do you get the Constitution to keep going when you're fighting this battle, when it's all uphill, when it's all obstacle, when it's all resistance? How do you keep going? I think you keep going because you have a vision. I think you keep going because you've seen something. You keep going because you're changed. And even though you're in this place that we all see, you've seen something different and it's transformed you. And so you don't wait for circumstances. You don't wait for apologies. You don't wait for action plans. You don't wait for a staff meeting. You don't wait for email. You don't wait for prompts. Your vision is your prompt. And I think this, look over in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6 
and read with me here Isaiah's vision. Isaiah gets a great vision. This is his mountain in a sense. In verse 1 it says, In the year of King Uzzah, uh, in the gr- sorry, let me back up. In the year that great King Uzzah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne. Um, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the whole temple. Above him were seraphs, those are angels, uh, each with his six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying, and they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth, the whole earth is filled with His glory. At the sound of their voices, uh, at the doorpost and the thresholds, the, the, the doorpost and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. What a great vision. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy. The title of my sermon, I think you saw that word back there in the first slide, is Kadosh. Let's try that all together. Ready? One, two, three. Kadosh. That sounds pretty good. Try and find a way to use that during the Super Bowl party. Kadosh. Maybe if your team scores a touchdown, you might utter Kadosh. Maybe it's when you're dipping into the guacamole. That's what I'm anticipating. Kadosh. Kadosh. And that's what he's saying. Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. There are some um, writers and commentaries that think maybe because he is saying it three times that he's making reference to the Trinity. And I don't know if there's a way to know that or not, but it's a great thought. Holy, holy, holy. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. This is a great word. It just simply means um, when we think of the word holy, I'm not sure what comes up for you, what, what, what it connotates or connotes. Um, I think a lot of us think of you, when we use that word holy, you kind of go to holier than thou. I think holier than thou makes us think about this hierarchical holiness thing, the pursuit of holiness, like I'm more righteous than everybody else, kind of a self-righteousness. This is not where we want folks to go with this word. Kadosh is about being separate. Kadosh is about distinction. Sorry to be graphic, but I think it'll make a point. When Abraham, when God talks to Abraham and he has all the men circumcised and all the animals, whoa, they're different now. They're not like everybody else. There's something unique. They're set apart. They've been circumcised. There's lots of kind of people in the land, but they're the only ones that have this distinction. And so even in Genesis, at the beginning, God's trying to help us see where in the world. But we're not of the world like everybody else. The world can be like just a river of humanity, just a mess, just a kind of an ongoing 
blob of people and stuff and things and activities. And God is always trying to get His people up and out. Yes, you're in the world. Yes, you live among them. Yes, you work for them. And you work with them. But you're not of them. You're different. You're different. And this is so important for us to understand as Christians, for us to, to understand in our spirituality that being Christian makes us different, distinct. When the Jews come together on Friday night to start uh, the Shabbat, right? You say the Kiddush, or you start the Kiddush, you say the Kiddush. And um, you go into a reciting. I've not been to one, sorry, right? You go into a reciting, the Jews go into a, re- a reciting of their history of um, Egypt and escaping Pharaoh, Egypt, and going into this place with God and being embraced by God and reliving the history. Um, So important for them. Why? Because it makes them distinct. Uh, Just a quick little thought on that word, too. You know, the Hebrew word in the Bible, the word Egypt is the word for narrow place or restricted place. Narrow place, restricted place. And so when we escaped Egypt, we're always trying to escape out of that restricted place, that small place. You know, in our minds, we get in small places. Sometimes our families, our marriages, they get in these small restricted places. Sometimes professionally, we feel like we're in a small constricted space. Sin, because of its chronic, habitual effect, takes the expansiveness of life and always sort of... um, reduces us down to this thing, this small place, Egypt. And worship, the remembering of what He brings us up out of, is supposed to be an expansive experience. Not holier than now, but bigger than life. Not better than you, but dependent on Him. And that's what He's trying to get us to see and understand. And so, and so they start in, with the Kiddush. You start with the Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. It's called the standing prayer, the Amadah. And so they would stand up, and you call this the standing prayer, and you would get up on your toes and say this three times. Kadosh, 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 up on your toes, the standing prayer. Why is that significant? Why would God want us to do that? What's important about that? I think it's sort of obvious. When I stand, I just stand. I'm just standing. There's nothing, there's nothing different about that. But when I get up on my toes, I'm in a different place. I see things that I wouldn't see before. I can see up and over. Makes me think about uh, uh, God talking to Abraham. Abraham, lift up your eyes and see. Lift up your eyes and see. The standing prayer. Here's my regular prayer. And too many of us, we do this. I did this a lot as a young Christian. Right? The Acts prayer. i got to go through my Acts prayer. I don't, even, I don't even remember what it is. Adoration. Confession. Thanksgiving. Turkey. Thanksgiving. Supplication. Supplication. I never got it right. That's probably why it didn't work for me. Supper. I'd start thinking about supper. Um, and I, you know, these things aren't bad. A little bit of structure is good for us, but you start doing it over and over and over again, and now it becomes a mindless experience. I'm just trying to get through my checklist. And it's good, right? Have you ever done, you've been in a Bible talk or a small group, and you're like, I gotta pray for everybody in the small group. But then you can do it over again. There's, you know, Matt, and 
there's Pamela, and there's Giovanna, and there's George, and then Tuesday, and there's Matt. And and that's great, right? We're praying for people. But if it becomes mindless, now we're just standing. How do you get up on your toes? Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh. I want to challenge you. Have a prayer this week. Not to get through your prayer list, and I'm a big believer in prayer lists. I think they're great. But you have to have a prayer. You need to have a prayer that just simply changes you. Go out and have a prayer. And don't come back. Don't come back. Until you've changed. Until you're different. Until bitterness is gone. Don't come back until stress is gone. Don't come back until you know there's love inside. Don't come back until you can say sorry. Don't come back until you can really say and mean thank you. Don't come back. Just stay out there. Prayer should change us. And I think this is what that... Get up on your toes. Kadosh. 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 Let it change you. That's so important for us. When the Jews... uh, In a Jewish wedding, they have this ceremony where they get the chuppah. The hoop that sort of goes up and over the couple. But the chuppah, they stand under the chuppah. Do you like how I'm saying that? Chuppah. Chuppah. I don't think that's really right, but um, I'm trying. I'm playing with it. Yeah. And it's the same sort of thing. The word is kadoshin. They're kadoshin under the chuppah. Meaning what? They are separate now. They're, they're still amongst the people, but now they're kadoshin and they are separate. They're not the same anymore. They're of, they're of the people, but they're different from the people. They're married. They're kadoshin. They're holy. They're set apart now. Not holier than thou. Not more, I have more righteous points than you. No, even though we're in the, the fellowship, in the community, we're different. We've made a commitment. Uh, there's rings and there's vows and there's love and there's all this experience. Kadoshin. God, that's great. We need to be doing that spiritually. We need to be doing that spiritually. Kadoshin. I'm going out in the world, but I'm different. I'm with the Father. I'm going out in the world. I'm different. I'm following Jesus. That's a kadoshin of life, I think. All right? Now I'm sort of playing with this idea a little bit, but you get it. Yeah. Worship. Give me a second here. This is cool, I think. You never know until after it comes out. So you take this word, it's just the English word, worship. Ship, the suffix ship. That doesn't mean boats and transportation. Ship. Ship, the suffix ship. The suffix ship means or speaks to the state of a thing or the condition of a thing. And it also speaks to roles. Ship. Right? Not the love boat. Not, what was uh, Gilligan's Island? They're on the SS Minnow. Not the SS Minnow. Right? Friendship. Okay, I'm not doing anything. Then I'm with my friend. Oh, that's a, okay, we've got this, now it's different. I've got this relationship and it, this equal thing. It's a friendship. 
Leadership. Oh, that's a little different. I was doing nothing. Now I'm in the room, and Joe is doing this, and he's leading. And he's a leader guy, and I'm the follower. Leadership sort of speaks to that idea, right? Now the context. It's always sort of defining context. Dictatorship. That's a little bit different. Now, you know, there's a guy up top, and there's a lot of this, and you just got to do or be done. Dictatorship. Hardship. I was eating guacamole and having and enjoying myself, and then my team lost. Hardship. You understand, context has changed. Hardship. And I think the Christian, I think all of us, we're always trying or in this dance of moving from hardship to worship. How do you go from hardship, and nobody gets out of hardship. I say hardship, immediately you've got two, three, four, nine things that pop up. Tests, and difficult people, and difficult parents. Most of our teens are gone. They're up at camp. We're going to pick them up later. Or difficult roads, or difficult boss. Hardship. Not enough money, not enough, not enough fill in the blank. Hardship. How do I go from hardship to worship? Right? Martin Luther King Jr. gives us a great example of going from hardship to worship. How? He saw something on the mountain. Isaiah was just a guy, and then he has this vision, and he goes from, I am ruined, I should just die now, to becoming one of our great prophets. He became a prophet. He was a prophet. Prophet? Why is he such a prophet? Did he apply for this? Do you have to have a resume? What kind of resume do you have to have to become a prophet? You know, what's your CV letter look like for a prophet guy? You've got to have a vision. And Isaiah had a vision. It changed him. It takes you from hardship to worship. And obviously, the beginning there, the prefix, war, just speaks to what's worthy, worth. So there's something that you find worthy, valuable, important, and it's that thing that transports you to wherever you go. Now, when we're afraid, think about some of our, our Bible examples here. When you're afraid and there's just emptiness there, what happens? Well, Moses was gone and they couldn't find God. They couldn't find Him. They didn't see Him. And what did they do? They built this golden calf. And they started to worship the golden calf. And we do this all the time. All of our lives have some golden calves in them. I don't see God. I'm stressed out. I don't know, you know, what to do. God's not texting me. And I go to my golden calf of, you know, think about your family of origin, alcohol. You know, I want to find God. I don't see Him. And so, you know, the off-ramp, we off-ramp into computer games. You know, I'm lacking meaning. I want, to, I want to connect. I want to find God. I don't see Him. And we go into just school, working success. Success becomes a golden calf. I don't see God. Moses is supposed to be out there with Him, but we don't see Him, so we just have our golden calf. You know, I, I, I'm empty and I don't feel that connected. I need a spiritual experience. Pornography becomes a golden calf golden calf. And there's something in these experiences 
that transport you, that, 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 that feel different from just the mundane and the everyday and the empty. The mundane and the everyday and the empty. The mundane and the everyday and the empty. And we're trying to get transported. And so we find these things. We've got all kinds of golden calves in our lives. We're going to do three or four or five hours. God only knows how long the Super Bowl is these days. It's a long time. It's a lot of guacamole. And, and there's going to be so many golden calves. Do you know how many people want you to buy chips today? I mean, it's this giant competition. Forget the Falcons and the Patriots. It's about Doritos versus Lay's. It's about Budweiser versus Michelob, Miller. It's about Ford versus Chevy. And that takes up, that's the bigger battle. They don't care who wins. They just want your mind flooded with all these golden calves. And when it comes time to have a spiritual experience, they, and you're feeling empty, and you've got some impulse going, they want you going to... Uh, their beer. They want you going to their truck. They want you going to Pepsi or Coke. They want you going to the store. They want you buying. They want you buying. We all understand that. But are those things really worthy? Are they really worthy? Are they worthy of you? Are they worthy of your mind? Are they worthy of your soul, your spirit? Are they worthy of your heart? The answer is no. Only God is. Amen? Worship. So, play with me here a little bit. We all remember Star Trek. And one of the coolest things in the world about Star Trek is what? That they've got the little beam-me-up machine. I mean, we're just flying around in hyperspace, and I can hit a button, and you get the nice little... And then you pop up on whatever planet, and you go have your experience in Kirk and, and Spock and the whole nine yards. It's great. Star Trek. It transports us. You know, some of us, we have problems with anger. And anger, it just, it just floods your mind and, it, and it, it, it enrages the heart and just the whole experience. And you're on Anger Island. You've, got, you've been transported. It's worship. It's worship that's supposed to beam you up to a higher place. Remember this Psalm 73? Man, I love this Psalm. So many of us. As for me, my feet had almost slipped. I envied my neighbor. Who hasn't had that experience? I envied my neighbor. My feet had almost slipped until I entered your sanctuary. That's what changes them. That's the heart change. I was slipping. I was falling. Golden calves, chips, beer, and trucks were all around me. And then I entered your sanctuary. And I was changed. That made me different. Anger is the same thing. We're on Anger Island. We're on board and bus. We're on board and bus, board and bus, driving around on board and bus, board and bus. What am I going to do? I've got to fill up my time. There's a golden calf. There's a golden calf coming. Don't get lost on board and bus. Worship transports you, beams you up to a higher place. Frustration freeway. Hey, it's Los Angeles. This is literal and metaphorical, okay? I'm frustrated. I don't like my boss. I'm frustrated. I don't like calculus. I'm frustrated. I don't like my teachers. I'm frustrated. I don't like the school. I'm frustrated. I don't like this place, this house, this, you know, whatever. Frustration. We all get frustrated. It takes us away. 
You know, you don't just willpower yourself into a higher place of being. It's worship. What's worthy? What's worthy of your attention? What's worthy of your mind? What's worthy of your spirit? What's worthy of your heart? You've got to say that stuff aside and be separate and focus on it. And again, that's not holier than thou and righteous chips or points. That's being separate. That's being different. That's being human and having spiritual experience. And or we get to Sin City. How are you going to get out of Sin City? Something's got to beam you up. Something's got to beam you out. Something stronger. Something better than your golden calf. What's better than your golden calf? You've got to find something. That's going to be in God. That's going to be in Jesus. I think this is the cross, right? A dead Christ I must do everything for. A living Christ has done everything for me. A dead Christ, I must do everything for. That's right. Whatever we do, we should imitate Him and be like Him. Word and deed, we should do everything like Him. A dead Christ, I must do everything for. A living Christ has done everything for me. He's already paid the price. He's already, he's already, he's already redeemed me. He's already rescued me. He's already saved me. We were all on the spiritual Titanic. We were all going down. We're all doomed. Right? It's, uh, it's uh, Harry Potter. It's Harry Potter. The one that you must not talk about. We're all, we, all, we're, we all lost to Him. And it's only Christ. It's only what happens on the cross. It's that moment of Christ on the cross that transforms your and my eternal destiny. How much does that resonate with you? Are you thinking about that? How much are you thinking about the cross? If you and I were to sit at the foot of the cross with no other distractions, with no phones, with no screens, with no computers, for six-ish hours, six hours, nothing but sitting there and watching, and you would see literally the blood rushing down his arms and his feet and pooling at the ground. What does it do? What would it do to you to watch him just once, just once, right? We know that um, he's going to die of asphyxiation. He's going to not be able to breathe because it's so exhausting. Because to breathe, he's got to lift himself up, sweating, bleeding, sort of, sort of holy, kadosh. He's lifting himself up just to get one breath. If you just saw that once, if you just saw that one time, I don't think you'd ever be the same. I don't think you'd ever be the same. I would know I'd never be the same. I've got to try and get away and pray and picture it. But if you saw it, and you've got to do this in your prayers, you've got to go there and spend hours just being in the place, listening to the breath, listening to blood drops, listening to soldiers mock him, listening to the crowd, listening to the wind, listening to the stillness of it all, absorbing the profound injustice and the incredible price that's being paid so you can be rescued, so you can be saved. A dead Christ I must do everything for. That changes me. That takes me out of hardship. And that throws me into worship. A living Christ has done everything for me. The Christian life is not a set, a checklist of do's and don'ts. A Christian life is a thank you for the cross. That's what we're doing. Amen?
just jot this down. These would be good passages to go back and read maybe this week. Philippians, Philippians 2.10, great passage. What's it say? Simply that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow down and worship. How many knees? Every knee. Sooner or later. Sooner or later. Every knee will bow down and worship. My challenge is, I'm not waiting for that to happen. I'm, not, I'm doing that today. If that's going to happen, if every knee's going to bow, I'm going to do that today on my own. I don't want to be obstinate. I don't want to be stiff-necked and be forced to bow later when it's too late. Let's keep that in mind. Every knee will bow. Matthew 15, for the Christians, for us that have been doing it for a long time, it does become mundane. It does become, it does become ritualistic. It, some of these things become formalities. And Jesus says, you honor me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. And we've got to always take that challenge. Today we're here to worship. And we sang. But is my heart really here? Am I really worshiping? Or is it just worship in vain? Right, sometimes we go to birthday we go to birthday parties, you always are gonna sing the birthday song, but you don't really care. <laughs> you want the cake! Happy birthday, happy birthday, happy birthday, da, da, da. Uh, cake, cake, cake. Let's get to the cake already. And that's what happens to a lot of us when we're doing church. Yeah, where yeah, great, 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 uh, uh, let's get to the cake. Whatever the cake is. I'm not even sure what it is. Um, careful, slow down. We're here to be changed. We're here to kadosh. We're here to go from hardship to worship. We're here to reflect on our lives on the cross. Let it affect you. And only you can, can, can control the condition of your heart in that. And Daniel 3, this is a great passage. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the king says, you've got to worship my idol. And they're awesome. They're so great. They go, we're not bowing down to your idol. We're not doing it. We're not bowing down to your idol. No more golden calves for us. Let that be a challenge to you. Let that be a challenge to all of us today. No more golden calves. And one of the guys, I don't remember off the top of my head now, let's go with Shadrach, says, you know what, king? We got a great God. He's better than you and your dumb idol. And we're not bowing down. And he's going to save us. And even if he doesn't save us, we're not bowing down. A lot of us are here because we want a special life, a different life, a Christian marriage, Christian homes, Christian kids, Christian experience. But there are some Christians that are not going to have a good experience. We're not in this for the blessings. We're not in this because it's a better alternative than the other life. Pascal says that. It's the, it's the Christian wager. It's the faith wager. Um, well, you know, it's hard to prove exactly whether or not God is real or not, but Thinking of the outcome, the consequences, it's better just to go with there's a God and to worship Him. You're better off that way. That's dumb. That's not what we're here for. That's not the Christian experience. That's not what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are doing. We're worshiping God because He's incredible. We've never found anything better. There is nothing better. And He's going to save us. But even if He doesn't save us, we still got the best thing going and we're not bowing down to your golden calf. Boy, I love that passage. I'm going to read this passage, and we're going to say a prayer, and then we're going to sing a song and close out.
The writer of Hebrews says, therefore, let us make every, ent- every effort. Therefore, let us make every effort to enter that rest. His rest. That's that word, um, Sabbath. Enter his Sabbath. I preach a lot of sermons on make every effort to be holy, make every effort to keep the unity, make every effort. Uh, this one really rarely makes it make, it, make every effort to enter his rest. Yeah, that's the challenge. Make every effort to enter his rest. Make every effort to get into that place. Make every effort to leave the mundane and get to the holy. Make every effort to leave work, stress, fear, anger, and get into the spiritual and get into the grateful and get into love. Make every effort to get out of living in the world to living for Him. Make every effort to enjoy the blessings that you know you've already received. Make every effort. It's more important to enter His rest. It's more important to enter His Sabbath. Six days of work, six days of this, always, always go, 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 go. And then God stops and says, enter that rest. Reflect. Think. What are you about? What is it all about? Get into that rest. Get into that reflection. If you don't do that, then you'll never stop. And the zombie apocalypse will be upon us. Make every effort to enter that rest. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, we worship you. We know in our world you are holy. We're so grateful that you're so big. We're so grateful that you're so powerful. We're so grateful for all the incredible things you've done in our lives. We worship you gladly. We are grateful for Jesus for the cross, for the incredible price paid. Let us move us today. Help us see it. Make us more sensitive, more humble. Take off, the, take off the silly things that blind us and prevent us from seeing this incredible gift. Uh, we're going to have fun today. God, thank you uh, to do Super Bowls and parties. It's such a blessing. It is a blessing. But let us remember, all these little golden caps, they don't mean anything. You're the only God. You're the only king. We bow down to you gladly. And we love you. Thank you for choosing us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.